Welcome to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We want you to get healthy and stay healthy with help from evidence-based advice from our physicians, healthcare providers, and researchers. It's that time of year to start preparing for going back to school. If you have little ones, tweens, and teens at home, our guest for this episode, Dr. Ana Montanez, Texas Tech Physicians Pediatrician, recommends you schedule an appointment for your child as soon as possible. Dr. Montanez explains why it's important and what to expect during the visit, how to prepare yourself and your child for going back to school, and the one thing she recommends giving your child for a successful school year. Welcome to our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your expertise, and what you do at the Health Sciences Center? Sure, absolutely. So my name is Anna Montanez. I'm a pediatrician here at the Health Science Center. And I do teach in the clinic with like hands-on. So we get a lot of medical students for clinical rotations. We also teach some residents both in family medicine and in the pediatrics department, obviously. So it's sort of a hands-on teaching, not very much didactic teaching. Well, again, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. So our topic today is well checks for children in pediatrics. Should parents schedule an appointment for their school-aged children before school starts? And what do doctors check for at different ages? So those are very good questions. And as a pediatrician, I know that we definitely appreciate early checkups. As a general recommendation, we usually like to see these kids about four to six weeks before school starts. And that's mainly because if there's other testing or diagnostic workups or referrals that need to take place, we can get those completed before school starts. So ideally, four to six weeks before school starts would be great. Here in Lubbock, the school school starts in about two weeks. So it's never really too late to try to get in. But a lot of us are pretty packed with our schedules. It doesn't hurt to to call and try to schedule an appointment before school, but really any time that you need to get a child in, we're happy to see them. I think most patients and most parents think of a pediatrician when their child is sick, but really we like to see them when they're well as well. That helps us to evaluate both their physical, developmental, but also nutritional needs, and then mental health is always a big issue that we need to address in children as well, and especially if they're starting school. So based on their age groups, we kind of break them up into different age groups. A good generalization is probably birth through six years old, and then maybe seven years old to about 18 years old. We check for different things based on their developmental age and what they're capable of doing. But in general, we do a lot of vital signs, so just heart rates and respiratory rates. We might take a blood pressure, especially if they're in high school. We're going to monitor that pretty closely. And then we kind of just sit and have a conversation with family and the patient at each age group and kind of see how they're doing, how they're adapting. If they have any concerns at all, we generally will try to address them. As a rule, I think a family typically has anywhere from four to six different questions or concerns at a well-child visit. And so we'll definitely address those during those times. What vaccines should parents ensure that their children get 
and why are they important? So those are always good topics, vaccinations. I think over the past two years, it's really hit families hard in terms of trying to figure out what vaccinations kids need and whether or not they should get their kids vaccinated. And those are always good questions to visit with your pediatrician about. Typically, vaccines are given at different age groups. And so if you sort of categorize them and when they start school, so when they're going to start elementary school at four years old, we should have some vaccines. Most children will get the majority of their vaccines before they're two years old. And so then they get sort of booster shots at four years old, right before they start kindergarten. Before they start junior high, they probably need another set of boosters and start getting their meningitis shots. And then when they start high school, they'll need more boosters. And then when they enter college, they'll also need some more shots. So each time your child changes sort of a classification at school from elementary to junior high to high school to college, that's probably when you really need to look and see if we need some new vaccinations. Vaccinations are very important because they help protect our kids. They really help our immune system build a barrier against different antigens and germs. On an average day, a school-aged child is probably exposed to hundreds, if not thousands, of different germs. And so that helps build their immune system, but it also can cause some disease. Vaccines, they help the immune system build antibodies and protective proteins that help fight the presence of disease and the germs that they're exposed to. Many of the vaccines that we have right now are to viruses and bacteria that can be very harmful and cause very serious disease in children. We don't see a lot of the disease now, and one of the things that I share with my families is that I've been a pediatrician for quite a while. And when I was training, we always looked for something called meningitis in children. And one of the tests that you need to do for meningitis is a lumbar puncture. And <laughs> that's a pretty invasive procedure because it's a needle that's inserted at the very bottom of a, an infant's back. A sample of fluid that circulates the spinal cord is removed and we test it for bacteria. And meningitis, when caught early enough and treated with antibiotics, has a pretty good outcome. But it also has the risk of neurological deficits. They may not be able to walk, they can't hear, they may have problems learning, things like that. And so it was something we looked for quite often when I started training in pediatrics. So recalling my experience, I often share with parents that I probably did a lumbar puncture about once every day, right? That's how common and how concerned we were. And now in working with medical students and residents, if I were to ask them how many lumbar punctures they've done this week, their answer might be zero because they don't have to do it as often, which is a very, very good thing. And in part, we, have, we owe that to vaccinations because now we can vaccinate against those bacteria that were causing meningitis. So Haemophilus influenza B and pneumococcal, we can vaccinate against those. And because so many kids are vaccinated, we're not seeing the disease as much. And 
I think we forget to look back and say, well, we don't have the disease because of the vaccination. A lot of times the thought is actually the opposite. Well, we don't have the disease, so why should I get vaccinated? And it is really important to protect our kids, right? Because again, they're exposed to hundreds, even thousands of different germs and protecting them so that they continue to grow both physically, developmentally, intellectually, and then socially, those things are important. And should children get the flu shot when it comes available? Flu shots are very important. So they're an example of a vaccine where ongoing researchers just continue to work through different vaccine combinations in order to find the one that's highly effective at preventing the flu disease. And it changes every year. And I think that's one of the issues that we tend to forget is that, oh, well, I got my flu shot last year. Yes, but the flu virus is a very smart virus. It changes and adapts so that it can continue to invade healthy bodies and cause disease. And because it adapts and changes so frequently, we also have to change the vaccine. And so each year the vaccine changes based on what we predict the flu, vac- the flu virus will look like during the fall. It is highly contagious virus. And because it's highly contagious, when one child gets the flu, almost everybody around that child is going to have the flu. The vaccine helps protect your body from getting the disease of the flu. Every year, I think during school, it's interesting that there are a handful of schools that actually close down for a day, two days, or a week because they have a flu outbreak, right? And if we were to vaccinate our kids against the flu, we are less likely to have outbreaks of those kind because, again, the flu is very contagious. What kind of disease does it cause in children? It can vary from very mild symptoms like cough, cold, congestion, maybe allergy symptoms, to something as serious as pneumonia, where they need to be hospitalized, where they may need oxygen. And that's a preventable disease. Vaccines can prevent that seriousness of disease from happening. And I often, I'm a parent myself, and so I often share with my families the last thing you want as a mother is to sit in a hospital room with your child next, you know, hooked up to oxygen and IVs and think, I could have protected him against this. And so vaccines, especially for things like the flu, are very important to give to our children to protect them. So if children are taking medication, does that need to be adjusted before starting school? So definitely... We talked about having well-child visits as opposed to sick visits. At a well-child visit, we're going to review the medication list. And, you know, children can have what we call chronic illnesses or diseases like asthma or maybe a seizure disorder. They may have behavioral disorders like ADHD, anxiety, things like that. And those diseases and illnesses, they are often treated with medications that the child will take every day. 
And so reviewing those at the well child visit actually helps us to see if we need to update the dose, how the child is tolerating the dose, or do we need to change medication altogether? And so it is important before starting school to kind of take inventory of the medications that they're on and whether or not the dose needs to be adjusted. Medications in children are determined based on weight and height. And so in adults, that doesn't change much, but in children, it's pretty dynamic. It changes because they tend to grow. And so there might be an adjustment that needs to be made. Schools will also need at least some guidance in what action to take if the child has an asthma exacerbation, if the child has a seizure. They need to know exactly what medications they can give them and how they can treat that. And so reviewing those before school often helps us to devise a sort of an action plan, asthma action plan or seizure treatment plan. So that can help both the school and the child. How can we get children and maybe parents themselves in the mindset to go back to school, to get back into the back to school routine? Something like going to bed early, no screens after a certain hour. What what can we do? Those are definitely good ideas and suggestions. So there's at least four categories that I would probably encourage families to, to review and consider. One is just routine. So a week before school starts, get into the routine. Set your alarm, go to bed early. Children need anywhere from 10 to 12 hours of sleep to be rested and fully functional. Teenagers may tend to say they need more, but they probably need anywhere from 8 to 10 hours of sleep. And so going to bed early a week before, setting your alarms a week before, making sure that you practice what we call good sleep sleep hygiene. So no caffeinated drinks before bed. The room should be quiet and dark and cool. So no screens at night. Putting your phones to charge outside of the bedroom. No TV screens or computer screens in the bedroom will help to get that good quality sleep. And then running through the morning routine. So if you need to walk to a bus station or a bus stop, if you need to drive from home to your high school, then those are things to practice at the time that you need to get there. So if school starts at 8.10, then you want to get there at least 30 minutes before. And so kind of working out those timing of transportation and how long it takes, or if you're going to ride your bike to to school or walk to school, how much time does it actually take you to do that? And walking through the time of day that you need to, to practice through, that will help. So, you know, setting a routine with the alarms, the going to bed early, running through the morning routine, getting to your bus stop, all of that helps. Another thing that it's always good to do, a good idea, is to make a checklist. Okay, about a week before school starts, you want to make sure you have everything that you need for school. And so making a checklist, if you're going to pack lunches, if you need to get some school supplies, if you need to get new socks or clothing, or you need to have an eye exam to get new glasses, those are things that, you know, to-do list, a checklist that you want to create for yourself and your family. And then it's very important to kind of meet the teachers, Okay, and if the school allows, you might even want to take a tour. This is especially important if it's a new school or if it's a transition from an elementary to a junior high 
or junior high to high school. It always helps to kind of go through and know where your classes are, maybe meet your teacher, because that'll give you an opportunity to ask some questions that you, you know, first day of school, teachers are going to be pretty busy and it's going to be a limited time that you're going to have to ask questions. And so if you can do that ahead of time, that will sort of help you get back into that mindset. Okay, this is this is what a school day is going to look like. And then for parents too, I think we've kind of, you know, if our kids are sleeping in, we, we can sleep in a little bit longer. And so getting our bodies reset at least a week before school starts will also help us with our morning routine so that we're not running around trying to get things all organized the morning of school. Good advice. What if our child is anxious or scared about returning to school? So those are always good topics to review because sometimes as parents, we're busy with our lives and we may not recognize all the time that we need to sort of stop, sit down and talk to our kids about the upcoming school year. And a lot of kids, they they may look forward to it, but a lot of them are anxious and kind of scared about starting. And especially if it's a new school or they're going to school for the first time. And so giving them some reassurance, just sitting down and listening to them, to their thoughts, their feelings, their emotions. And if they're concerned about something, helping them to work through that concern. So problem solving, right? Because you don't want to just fix the concern and, or the problem with, uh, for them. You want to help them work through that. Reminders, okay, so you want to make sure that you remind your students or your child that there's going to be other children with the same feelings that they're having. And they're going to be anxious and they're going to be scared. And that the teachers, too, they're going to know that this is the first day of school. These kids are, there's going to be some that are anxious, some that are uncertain what the day's going to be like. And so you can always go to a teacher for help and reassuring your child that they can reach out and ask for help and support and know that they're not alone, right? There's other students there. And then, again, just the routine. You know, kids really thrive on structure and routine. And if they know what's coming next, it makes them feel much more comfortable, much more calm. And they can actually cope with those feelings a little bit better. Role-playing. So it kind of, it's kind of like a game that you can play with your kids. And, okay, I'm going to be the teacher, or you let the child be the teacher, and you be the child. And that kind of, it's a fun way to kind of get through and break through some of that anxiety that they're feeling. And doing all of that, you know, at least a week before school will definitely help them. Should we worry if our children aren't anxious or excited to go back to school? Well, Maybe yes and no. <laughs> I think that there are kids that look forward to school. I know thinking back, I always look forward to the first day of school just because I get to see my friends again and my teachers. And I really just enjoyed learning and participating in school activities. So I wasn't always necessarily anxious. And some kids aren't. They look forward to it. But there are some kids like we don't talk about Bruno. They, we don't talk about school. Right. And they may not want to talk about school because it's painful. Okay, they may have gotten bullied or they may have felt like they were outcasted or they weren't included in things. And so they just don't want to talk about it. 
as, you know, just sort of in a denial type of phase. And so we need to make sure that our children aren't feeling that way right at the start of school. And so just kind of sitting down again and opening communication, children aren't always going to immediately tell you or give you their concerns. And so sitting down and giving them time just to that with your listening will sometimes bring to surface some of their feelings and their concerns. And then you can address what's bothering them, why they do not want to talk about school, why they're not looking forward to school, and then kind of help, again, problem solve and figure out a a solution. So that puts them at ease um, that, okay, I have my parents' support or I have, you know, my grandmother's support to handle the school the school year and I can find ways to cope with it rather than just pushing it aside and denying it and not addressing it. Because whenever children do that, there's going to be one event that may happen and their feelings may just surface all of a sudden and that won't be good for them or anyone else that's around them. So kind of making sure that there's no, um, ill feelings or anxiety or isolation feelings that are leading to them not being anxious or not looking forward to school. Because honestly, they spend more time at school than they do at home when school starts. So you want to be sure your your child is emotionally ready as well. And I think that's hard sometimes for parents because it's like, well, no news is good news. Yeah, You're <laughs> kind of true. hoping that nothing's there, but I think parents do need to make an effort. Yes, yes. I definitely encourage that communication. Your kids are are good communicators, you know, and just giving them time. They may not rapidly answer right away, but repeatedly showing them that you support them and that you're there to listen, with time, they'll open up. What's the one thing you recommend parents give to their children before heading back to school? Oh, that's always a good question. And I think we've sort of hit on it throughout this interview is just communication and encouragement. So whatever form of encouragement that you want to give them a reminder that, hey, I'm here with you, you're not alone, whether it's a hug or, you know, I've seen on some of the social media advertisements, bracelets that you can give your children that are starting high school. And it reminds them, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, just touch the bracelet. It reminds you that you have our encouragement, you have our support, you have our love. And so if you, you know, as parents, giving them something tangible that they can actually hold or remind them that even though it's becoming an overwhelming day for me, I'm not alone. And at the end of the day, I can visit with my parents about it or my grandparents about it. And so... I think the one thing that I would recommend parents give their children before leaving school is just a reminder of support. It's great advice. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you would like to add? I think, you know, I'm a big proponent for communication and being open with our kids. I am a strong advocate for vaccinations and protecting our kids. And so I think the one thing that I probably would add is just to encourage parents 
to listen to their kids, communicate with their kids, make time at the end of the school day to listen to them. You know, at the dinner table, that's a really good time to sit down and decompress your day. Everybody goes around and talks about their day and no phones at the dinner table, right? No iPads, no anything else. And then really consider vaccinations for your kids before going to school. I know they're not something that is as easy to be thought of as it was when I was a child. You know, it was just my mom took me to the doctor. We got our vaccinations. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. And now we kind of focus on, I don't know if I want them. I don't know if I should get them. What if this they get sick? And so as an advocate, I strongly encourage parents to talk to their pediatricians or their family practice providers, because those are the people that know your history the best and know what your child would benefit from in terms of the vaccination schedule. And then you'll feel better about your decision. You know, you won't feel that somebody made you decide something, whether it's to get a vaccination or not to get a vaccination. But protecting our kids and everybody else's kids as well, I think is something we need to consider when we send our kids to school. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you again for coming on our podcast and taking the time to help us get our children off to school. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a fun school year. Thanks for listening to the first season of Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure you subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss our second season starting in September. We're getting ready with new topics and guests aimed at keeping you and your loved ones healthy. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susanna Cisneros, and me, Melissa Whitfield. 